This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better it was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly so you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues including cuts scrapes burns sunburns rashes other types of skin damage it's totally safe non-toxic suitable on all types of skin even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin this is also safe for the young members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients, active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family. So to get your own active skin repair, go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20% off your order when you use the code shameless. That's activeskinrepair.com. Use the code shameless for 20% off your order. Activeskinrepair.com, code shameless. Welcome to the Selfish Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean, and I'm here to help you and other passionate, dedicated moms bridge the gap between motherhood and living the life of your dreams. So let's get a little bit selfish. On today's episode, we're actually going to go to kind of a dark place. So I'm going to warn you right now, we're going to be talking about trauma. I actually recently experienced trauma on vacation, and it's been an interesting thing to come back from. So I'm going to share that experience with you. Starting out, I'm going to say that you probably don't think that vacation and trauma go together. They certainly don't. And obviously, things like that are never planned. But that's how it kind of all works out. So to start off, I should explain our vacation and kind of how it all worked out. We went to Mexico, we spent a week in Salulita with five or four other families. So there was five families total. There was 10 adults and nine children ages three and under. So some might think that that was the traumatic part of the trip, just the craziness to travel with that many kids ages three and under. But that was not the traumatic part. I will say traveling with all these kids, it was actually it was a lot of fun. Things went really well, aside from the fact that there was this horrendous Mexican flu going around or uh, horrible. Well, it was a a flu going around Mexico, but um, in the town of Sayulita specifically, and all of us got it. So I called it the Mexican plague, but all 10 of the adults had it at some point, the final, the 10th person got it on the way home. So a poor woman was sick on the plane the whole way home. And then like seven of the nine kids got it. So I'll spare you the details about all the barf and all the diarrhea, but I will just let you know that there was a lot of both over the course of the week. So on our trip during those first, that first week, it was all uh, five families. And then the last five, four days or so was just my family. We ended up going, we moved over to another town. We went to Punta Mita, which we'd never been to before. Oh, so gorgeous. I loved it. Uh, And we had four days there, just the three of us, which was really nice. So backing up to Sayulita. So it was our second to last day there. It was our last full day. And we had decided that 
the moms were going to go spend some time on the beach in the afternoon, just the moms. We wanted some girl time and the guys had had their guy time the day before they'd gone on a fishing trip. So we were like, okay, this is our girl time. We're going to meet up on the beach. There was a margarita stand right there. We had tested those earlier in the week. The margaritas proved to be fantastic. And I'm not even a margarita drinker. I can't stand tequila, but these were amazing drinks. And then we also had um, a little massage stand right there. So we were just going to chill out on the beach for the afternoon. So as soon as we got the kids down for the deal, the agreement was as soon as the kids were down for a nap, we would all meet out at the beach, which was just right beyond the boundary of our property. Um, Our houses were right there. So we, in our house that we were staying at, there was two families in our house. And so I get my son down for his nap. And then the other couple, they got their two kids down and we were ready to hit the beach, the other wife and I. So we go out and we're the first two moms out there. So we're kind of looking around for where are we going to put, set up our stuff and like get ready to relax. And we notice when we get on the beach that every, there's, this wasn't a very crowded beach, but the people that were there, which was a few more people than we had noticed on other days, they were all standing and they were all staring at the water. And we know we were like, oh, wow, the waves are really big. And we were kind of chatting like, I guess everyone's looking at the waves. They must be really big. Like, what's going on? Why is everyone standing here staring at the ocean? And then I was like, oh, they're just, you know, everyone's taking in the scenery and it's everyone's on this, you know, kind of on this idyllic tr- vacation and just noticing the waves. And then I thought, as it went on, I was like, there's a lot of people standing and they're really quiet. Like, what's going on? I said, maybe there was a whale sighting or something. And almost right after I said that, we hear a crowd of guys up in the water, not far from us at all. So there's a crowd of people up in the water who we hadn't really noticed before. And all of a sudden they're screaming and they're screaming, pull them out, pull them out, pull them out. And they're pulling a body out of the water. So both of us, the other mom and I, um, we just froze and we realized that this is what everyone's standing there watching, that there was someone drowning. And this body comes up, a group of people are pulling a body up onto the shoreline. And the woman I'm with says, do you know CPR? And I was like, oh yeah, (laughs) didn't even remember that I know CPR. And I've taken CPR since I think I was like, I think I've been certified since I was like nine. I take it all the time because I've always had to have it for my different work credentials. So she's like, go up there. So I go up there and there's a bunch of people that have surrounded this, the uh, victim, the drowning victim. And a lot of people know CPR. And so I'm kind of standing behind the circle. There's probably like 15 people or so surrounding him. And someone bends over to do mouth to mouth and I'm screaming like no mouth to mouth and water is just gushing from this guy's mouth. And so it was an older man in his probably mid fifties. Um, so water is just gushing from him. I'm screaming like no mouth to mouth, no mouth to mouth, because obviously he needs to get this water out. Like he's never going to breathe if we're stuffing water back in him. So people, other people are screaming the same thing. People start doing chest compressions and then people start rotating because doing chest compressions is really exhausting. And also people weren't going deep enough. So here's the thing with CPR, like my PSA of the day, if you're doing chest compressions, you have to go deep. You can't be like gentle CPR is not a thing. You have to go deep. So luckily there was actually a nurse there and she started screaming. She's like, go harder, break ribs, break ribs. And she just kept saying that like break ribs, you have to break ribs. So different people were rotating in doing chest compressions. And then this nurse finally identified herself as a nurse, which was very helpful because as you can imagine in a situation like this, everyone wants to be as helpful as possible, but some people have like more experience with these things and it's important that they identify themselves so that they can have the space to do their thing. So she, as soon as she identified herself as a nurse, um, I started screaming like she's a nurse, let her in. And a couple people like backed up so that she could get up closer 
And she got a little closer. She was able to like check his pulse and just, it felt better to have someone who we knew was a medical professional right there because everyone else was being very helpful as much as they could be, but you just, you don't, you don't know what anyone knows and you don't have time to like sit and interview people on their CPR skills in this situation. So shortly after that, the surf school owner from down the beach came running over. So he was able to help. And of course he's well-trained in this kind of emergency care and first aid care. So he was able to get in. And I kind of stepped back at that point. I was like, you know, we have a nurse here. We have this surf instructor, surf school owner. They know what they're doing. I'm not, I don't need to be a part of this. So I kind of stepped back my legs. I can't even tell you. I turned to start walking back to where my friend and I were going to start setting up our little area for the moms to quote unquote relax, which was clearly not going to be relaxing at this point. But we, I turned to walk back to her and my legs were just like jello under me. And when you have a major adrenaline rush like that, you're, you just, you don't know what your body's going to do. And I've actually had that in multiple situations. And I'll talk more about that in a minute where your body goes through its own trauma experience. You're witnessing trauma on the one end, but you're also, you're physically experiencing trauma because of what you're seeing. And so my knees are just like shaking under me and I walk back up there. And at that point, finally some medical personnel arrive. And I mean, you have to think about, I think about anywhere I've ever been in the States. It's like, if there's a medical emergency on a beach, there's an ambulance on that beach within minutes. It's not a big deal for like a car to get on the beach and just drive down, but we're in Mexico. And just the the idea of like turning to someone, like the first thing you do when you approach someone who needs CPR is you find someone else that you can scream to and you say, you go call 911. So in this situation, I went to do that when I first got on the scene, when I was down there by this man. And I thought like, I turned to say like, you call 911 and there's no one to even pinpoint to call 911 because you don't know who has a phone on them. You don't know, you know, a lot of us in our group, we didn't have our phones turned on to actually be able to use them as phones while we were traveling because of our cell phone coverage and service was not that great. So while people were doing CPR, I was just screaming back to like random people watching, like, go get help, go get help, call someone, call someone. I don't even know if you call, if 911 exists in Mexico, that might sound really ignorant, but I don't know. Like, I know it's universal in the States. And so it was just this crazy mental processing of like, how do you do this in a different country and how does it work here? And so it took medical personnel quite a while to get to the beach. And when they did get to the beach, they came in with a bodyboard, a couple of crew people first responder kinds of people and who were able to work on this man, but there was not like a truck full of gear. They had to carry him out on a bodyboard for probably about a quarter mile. They had to carry him across the beach and then they had to carry him through one of the resorts properties and then up into the, their, their transportation, which I assume was an ambulance. I did not see it. So this took a long time. My guess from the time that he went under, which I did not see because I didn't get to the beach until he was getting pulled out of the water. But from what I had heard from other people is that he was under for quite a while before they were able to get him on the beach. And so then he was also out for quite a while on the beach while people worked for him working for medical personnel. I'm guessing it was at least 10 to 15 minutes before they got him up to that medic van or car or car ambulance or whatever it was. And then they were actually able to get him breathing again once he was back up there. But at that point, he'd been out for a really long time. So we were told by the police later, the police came down to the beach and they were kind of combing the beach looking for who knows this man who he had no identification on him and no one knew who he was or where he was staying. And they were obviously wanting to get in touch with members of his family or anyone that they could reach out to and no one could identify him. 
This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners, can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. So after that, the police the police left um, and they, the police said they were like, we did get that he was able to, he was breathing once they got him in the car um, and he's being transported to the hospital, but they don't know anything else about his condition, of course, at that point. So then about an hour later, another woman comes onto the beach and she's going from like crowd, you know, different parties of people on the beach and introducing herself. And she's a, like a tourist liaison volunteer. And she's again, trying to figure out, she's like, this man is at the hospital now. No one knows his identity. We can't figure out where he's staying. If you see anyone down here on the beach looking for someone, please let us know. So this was 
interesting because as this was all happening, once I stepped back from the group of people giving CPR, I kept thinking like, there should be someone here freaking out. Why is there not, there's no one here panicking that this is their loved one. And so then it became kind of clear that this was obviously someone who was down here by themselves and probably has a family member or friend or someone that they're traveling with who doesn't know where they are or what happened to them. And so I just kept thinking, like, how is that all going to unfold? And when is this person going to come to the beach looking for this man and not be able to find him? So we were down on the beach for a couple more hours and no one ever came and we couldn't figure out, you know, who was who was who was this person vacationing with and how did they get in contact and find out about what had happened? And these kinds of things just went through my head over and over and over. So we later found out that the man had actually been staying in the same little villa as us. So we were at the place where we were staying had six houses and we were occupying three of them with the five families that we were with. And then there was um, three other houses. And so this man, and I believe it was his wife. Um, I had seen them on their porch the in the couple of mornings before we, while we were there. Um, they were staying in the house, which was right next door to the house we were in. Um, they were very quiet and we were like, <laughs> we were really absorbed in our 1 million children. So we didn't really notice them. So this is when they, it's interesting how the trauma changed in my mind once I was able to identify like, oh my gosh, this guy isn't like as faceless anymore. He was staying right next door to us. And I know that he was there with a woman about his age. So presumably maybe his wife um, or a sister or something. Um, obviously someone you know that he cares about because he was vacationing with them. And that became another like overwhelming piece of this puzzle for me. So I had a really hard time the rest of our vacation shutting down the constant visuals of this event and just the thoughts in my head that like what happened to him and did he survive? And if he did survive, I mean, he was out for a really, really long time. He, he could not be in good shape if he survived. I would imagine he would have significant brain damage because he was, was not breathing for a long period of time. And I had a really hard time letting go of this and coming home from vacation. I had a really hard time coming back and just integrating back into my regular life. And it, I didn't feel like I couldn't go on with my life because of this incident. I just felt very not motivated to go on with my life. And I couldn't really tie it to this incident as much as I just felt blah. And I couldn't figure out like, is that just because vacation is over or is it because this crazy thing happened or am I just tired or what is it? And so I kept kind of giving myself time. You know, we got home late on a Tuesday night. So I was like, okay, I'm going to kind of just chill out on Wednesday. And then on Thursday, I was like, no, I need to chill out more. And on Friday, I was like, no, I need to chill out more. And I was like, oh my gosh, like at some point I need to, like, I have things to do. I have my podcast launch was coming up and I had all this other stuff for my local business, my gym. So I was like, I have to get my head back in the game. How am I going to do that? So I started kind of thinking through like, why was this so challenging? And I started realizing I had a similar, an event that was similar in many ways happen a few years ago. And I started drawing a lot of parallels between the two events and realizing like, oh my gosh, I, I kind of understand now why I'm having a hard time recovering from this. So when I was six weeks pregnant, so super, super brand new pregnant, I was driving one day to go shopping and I was at an intersection at a red light and the light turned green and the car in front of me didn't go. And I was like kind of looking, I'm like, why isn't he going, you know, like your typical, like eye roll, am I going to honk the horn kind of a thing? And then I realized, oh my gosh, the person in that car is convulsing and you could see it very visibly. So I threw my car in park and I get out and I go over to his car and I see like this person is having a grand mal seizure in his car 
he has the car in park. He's at this light and his doors are all locked. And so I'm like trying to open his door. I scream to the car behind me to call 911. They do that. It's a young couple. They get out, they come over and we're knocking on this guy's window, like just praying that this seizure will be over so that he can turn his car off because I was so scared. He had his foot on the uh, accelerator the whole time. And so the car was just like revving and revving and revving while he was seizing and his mouth was bleeding because he was biting his tongue really badly. And it was just, it was very graphic and very upsetting. He ended up ultimately taking his car out of park while he still had his foot on the accelerator. And as I'm seeing this all happen, I'm just thinking like, how do I help this person without hurting myself or my baby? And many of you know, it took me two years to get pregnant. I went through five rounds of IUI, interuterine inseminations. Um, The first four failed. So to have this pregnancy and be six weeks pregnant, I was like, I don't know what to do with this because I can't lose this baby over trying to help someone. I'm not going to go diving into his car and put my life in danger, which I thought about, you know, I was like, I could break his window and dive into the car and turn the car off. But if he guns it while I'm doing that, like I'm toast. And so we, he ended up, um, I was able to stop traffic (laughs) in a major intersection while he gunned the car through the intersection as he was having the seizure and went flying into oncoming traffic who luckily saw him coming. They stopped and he drove his car right into the side of a building and he survived it. He continued to seize 911 showed up. They got him out of the car. They got him. The seizure passed. He kind of came to 911 handled him and then they put him in the ambulance, took him to the hospital and it was just over. And I was standing there like, oh, my God, what what just happened here? And again, thinking who is looking for this man like he doesn't know what just happened who's like, they need to contact someone. Someone needs to come help him. Someone needs to meet him at the hospital. Do I go to the hospital? So I called one of my best friends who's a lawyer and I panicky and like hysterically crying. And I'm like, Oh my God, I just saw this thing. Should I go to the hospital? Is that creepy? If I go to the hospital, like, what do I do? And she was like, no, like the hospitals have a protocol for all this. You don't need to go to the hospital. Um, that might be kind of weird if you go to the hospital and you, you know, it'll be taken care of. And which she gave great advice and she was very kind about the way she said everything, but she was able to keep it cut and dry, which is what, what I needed. So again, I was left in this situation of this like horrendous, insane, crazy thing happened where I didn't know what the outcome was. I didn't know who was impacted. I didn't know, you know, I thought if I had had a seizure and survived it and, like, I would want to know, I probably, I'm sure this guy doesn't remember any of it. I would want someone to show up and tell me like, this is what happened. You had a seizure, you were driving. I saw this happen. This is what you did, blah, blah, blah. Like I would want those minutes of my life back. And I was thinking that same thing about the drowning. Like I just wanted to, if there was anything that I could do to give this guy closure, I wanted to be able to do that or any information I could give the family or anything like that. But that wasn't an option in both situations. There was just like, this is over. Your role here is no longer necessary. And now you can move on with your life. But it's not like that. The The human brain doesn't work that way. So I actually learned, I learned a little bit about the human brain and trauma when I went to therapy a week later after getting back from my vacation. And I was like, I have to tell you, I'm having a really hard time getting back to my normal life because, and I think it has to do with witnessing this drowning on vacation and So she started telling me about trauma and she, when I think of trauma, I think like someone who's been in war or someone who's been like, you know, been severely abused or raped or, I mean, I think of like really horrendous things that actually happened to a person. I, that happened that it's 
the, the victim is the person that it actually happens to. It's not the bystander. So I don't think of myself as a victim of trauma because I witnessed a seizure or because I witnessed a drowning. But she was like, you know, the thing is your brain with trauma, your brain, when you witness trauma, your brain doesn't recognize the difference between just seeing that trauma happen versus actually being the person who is the recipient of the trauma. And that really clicked for me. So then I thought, okay, I'm not just a freak show because what I've been wanting to do since this, since witnessing this drowning is like, I want to talk it through and I want to, like, I'm thinking about it so much and thinking like, do other people want to keep talking about this on our trip? I don't want to, didn't want to keep bringing it up. Like, I can't believe I witnessed this and this was so crazy. And the other mom who witnessed it, she went back home because most of the families or all of the families except for ours left the day after this happened. So we texted a little bit and she was definitely weighing heavy on her mind too, which was helpful for me in processing to know that it wasn't just me who was thinking about this so much. I had a hard time relaxing the rest of vacation. I've had a hard time reintegrating since vacation. And so I've realized that this is just part of how I process trauma and different people process trauma differently and different people feel things differently and different people, you know. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky, wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. We've actually recently in our neighborhood, this is crazy timing, but we actually had a major gas explosion in our neighborhood and three businesses literally blew up and were completely leveled at 1.45 in the morning a few nights ago. And so it's interesting to have that happen on the heels of this event from my vacation because it's another situation where I'm like, oh my gosh, this it's, it's like something's happening so close to me that is so severe and so damaging for someone else. And so it was these three small businesses. And I think of myself as a small business owner, like what if my gym blew up overnight? Um, what if God forbid my gym blew up and there was people in it, you know, these businesses, luckily it was in the middle of the night, no one was there, but gas leaks are like 
just crazy random things. And so luckily no one was hurt, but there was significant damage and people's livelihoods are on the line when that kind of thing happens. You know, small business owners, a lot of times their small businesses are their babies and that's their family. And that's, it's a, it's a big, big piece of their identity. So I've been, it's been interesting to see going from the drowning into this loss of this piece of our neighborhood. I've been obsessed with the news coverage with it. And again, thinking like, am I just a freak show? Like, why am I so into this? But it's because some people are feelers and I'm definitely a feeler. And I think it's helping me like feel like I have a little more control. Like if I can be involved in this drama in my own neighborhood, maybe it helps me let go a little bit of what I felt like I had no control over in Mexico. And so the last couple of days, like my son and I, yesterday, we made this little poster to take up to the firefighters who responded to the explosion. And we took that up there. And I, of course, I'm making it about this big deal for my son. Like, let's make this poster and take it to the fire station. And they'll think it's so great. And he was really into the whole thing. But I'm thinking like, no, this is like mommy's therapy. Like it made me feel so much better to do that. And we also went to a little fundraiser yesterday and it just felt really good to be able to get involved in some way because it feels like maybe that's giving me my closure for this incident in Mexico. And noticing that the incident in Mexico and the incident in with this man having a seizure a few years ago were just so, there were so many parallels. And so, you know, I don't do well without having closure. Um, and I obviously don't do so well with witnessing trauma. So it's been a really big learning experience for me. So I wanted to share this with you because I think it's important that we talk about things that happen to us. It's interesting that I have felt a little bit guarded about talking about this because I thought like no one wants to hear it. when you when people ask like, oh, how was your trip? No one wants the response to be like, well, it was great, except for I witnessed a drowning. Like I saw someone die. No one wants to hear that. That's not how it's like when someone asks you how your day, how your day is going and everyone just says fine. No one ever says like, well, my day is actually really horrible for these three, five, three or five reasons. You always just say, oh, I'm fine. I'm good. So it's been a little bit strange. Like, how do I respond to people asking me questions about vacation? Because there's some really great things about our trip, but there was this one really big thing that I didn't know how to manage emotionally. And I'm feeling like I'm managing it more now. Going to therapy helped a lot. Um, so I will forever be a therapy advocate. Um, and I also think like, please let us destigmatize therapy because it's something that everyone needs at different times in their life or maybe all the time. Um, and whichever case it is for you, it's totally fine. In addition to that, talking things through, I was hesitant to bring it up at home a lot because I thought like, how much is my husband going to want to talk about this event over and over again? But I started talking about it with um, some of my colleagues and that was really helpful. And that actually kind of opened the door. So shout out to Jen and Beth who let me talk about this uh, very openly with them a couple days after we got back because they really helped me process it. And that actually opened the door to me talking about it a little bit more with other people, which helped me feel better about it. And sometimes it's just like the more you talk about things, the less overwhelming they are in your head. And so then I actually have started talking about it more at home with my husband and kind of sharing with him like what the therapist said and why I'm not super weird that I'm thinking about this all the time, that that's actually normal. So that's been really helpful. So I would say if you're in a situation or you've been in a situation where you've had trauma, you have to talk it through. You can't just hold it in your head. And if you are someone who's held trauma in your head for a long time or in your heart for a long time, it's probably really, really significantly impacted your life. And so don't be afraid to take a step to reach out to someone and whether it's a family member or a significant other or a friend or a therapist or even writing it down, you know, different people communicate in different ways. For me, talking is a great way to communicate and get my feelings out. Writing is also good for me. Um, I don't have as much time to write. I can talk faster than I can write. So you may have noticed I'm a fast talker. 
But uh, getting that out, getting out your feelings, getting out your words, replaying the incident can actually be therapeutic. Like I find the more times I tell the story of exactly what happened, the easier it is for me to let go of the whole thing altogether and just be like, this was something that happened and now I can move forward. Versus when I was just holding it all inside, I very much felt like, oh my gosh, I'm just like stuck in this weird place where I emotionally felt like I could not move forward in any area of my life for a few days. I felt very like, I just want to escape. I want to just lay on the couch and watch TV and and not really engage in anything in my life that's meaningful. So, um, So it's been really helpful for me to talk it out. And it's been really helpful for me to be around to do things to help other people. So I had to, you know, four days after we got back, I had to run a charity event and I kind of was dreading it. And then I got there and I was like, Oh, like I'm with my people. It's a charity event that I run every month. They're so it's with families and kids and everyone's really excited and really into it. And it was just so fun. And it was very much like I got done with that. And I was like, Oh, I'm back. And then right after that, I had an event with a bunch of clients. And so I got to be with my clients. And I have to tell you, like my local clients, they are my people. I love spending time with them. And so that really helped me um, just connecting with people and not being isolated. You know, when I'm working from home, often I am very isolated. And then after that, I did a really good, a really great workout in my gym. And I was there by myself and I just had the music blasting. And I got to the end of that morning from hosting the charity event to being with my clients to doing that workout and I just felt like, okay, like I, I'm ready to start moving forward. And then I saw my, my therapist a couple of days later. And so everything has been like these little steps and some of them have been really challenging. And I have to say like, before I entered that morning of the charity event and the work stuff, I, I was very much like, how am I going to put on a like smiley face and go do this? And then once I was there, I do know that even when I don't feel like doing things, I'm really good at as soon as I get there, I can like completely be in the moment. So I thought once I got there, things would be okay. But what I didn't realize is like how much that would fill me up to help me move forward. So don't be afraid of stepping out, even when you feel like sitting in. Um, I know sitting in was definitely what I felt like doing. But stepping out, I also knew, especially for my personality, that I get so much energy from other people and so much inspiration from other people. I knew that stepping out and connecting was going to be really instrumental in me kind of starting to heal and move forward. And it really was. So I'm feeling so much better now. We're now, you know, we've been home for a week and a half and I'm feeling like I've definitely been able to get my mojo back a little bit. And I'm feeling really enthusiastic about the things I felt enthusiastic about before vacation, which I was worried about. I was like, what if I never feel enthusiastic about anything again? So I still, of course, you know, I still have a lot of visuals from that event from seeing that man on the beach. I still have a lot of questions. I've definitely Googled a few things about like recent events in Sayulita, seeing, seeing like, what can I find out and how can I, is there anything I can learn to know like one way or the other? But at the end of the day, it doesn't, it's not for me to move forward. It'd be helpful to know what this person's long-term prognosis was, if he survived or not. But I don't have to know that. Like I can move on. I can I can take it for what it's worth in this moment and I can move forward. And so that's what I'm trying to do. Um, So I wanted to just share that with you because I think that it can help other people. I know that trauma is something that happens to a lot of people and in much bigger ways than this, because I know many people are like the very direct victims of trauma. They're not just observers of trauma. And I want to make sure I'm distinguished between the two, because I don't think that me observing this is the same as me experiencing this, experiencing a drowning myself, obviously. Um, or experiencing it as if it was my significant other who had gone through this. But I do want to acknowledge that let's definitely look at the times when you see really horrendous things and 
know that there's some validity if that is really bothersome to you for a long time. Um, and know that it's actually really impactful. The things that you see that are traumatic are very impactful for you and for your brain and how your brain works. Um, so I'm actually hoping to do a little bit of research on this coming up because I'm kind of fascinated by it. But even like, I can't watch violent movies. I won't sleep for weeks. I can't watch scary movies. I can't like, I have a very vivid imagination. I know that graphic stuff really gets to me. So seeing it in real life is really challenging for me to, to recover from. So I know that about myself. So just don't be afraid to step out. Don't be afraid to talk to other people. If you have experiences like this, processing is really, really important. Um, and it helps you move forward and it helps you get some perspective. And it also helps you be a more compassionate person instead of just trying to stuff it all down and get over it, talk it through. And then it allows you to identify like this was traumatic to me because I wanted to know how to help this person. And I couldn't, and I wanted to know how, like who were his family members and how are they doing? And I wanted to know all these things like processing that piece of it makes me realize that so much of the challenge for me is because I'm compassionate and I'm, that's a great thing. It's not just because I'm a weirdo who can't stop thinking about something. So I hope this has been really helpful for you. Um, if you've had experience with trauma, I would love to hear your stories. Um, anything that you're comfortable sharing, you can always leave those over at the selfish mom Um, I would love to do a follow-up episode on this because I think it's something that is really meaningful to a lot of people. Cause I think it's something that, you know, we all experience trauma at some point in our life and in many different ways. And so I'd love to hear your stories. So if this has been helpful to you, as always, please feel free to head over and leave us a review on iTunes. That's so helpful and means so much to me. And it really helps me continue to move forward and know what you guys want and what you like and what you want more of. And in addition to that, I just want to thank you for listening and allowing this to be my therapeutic moment, talking this through with you and knowing that this is going to reach a lot of people is really helpful for me. And that leaves a really, um, lasting impression on my heart. And it it really helps me continue to move forward. And it also allows me to have the little bit of closure that I need. It helps me feel like I've taken this incident and I've spun it into something that can be positive and helpful for other people, I hope, um, by producing this podcast episode about it. So I hope that the overall impact of this event on my life is positively impactful for other people. So thank you so much for listening today. I can't wait to see you again. And remember to do something a little bit selfish for you today. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the no guilt mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.